This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche Podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, the number one rated sportsbook app out there. A not-so-wise man once told me, if you have too much hair, you just have to get rid of it all until you don't have enough. So that's the strategy I went with. Uh, No hair for me anymore. But more importantly, our DraftKings pick of the week. First of all, Larry Mize already making moves. Up from plus 200,000 to plus 100,000 already at the Masters. So if you want to jump in on that while well, the money's still good, you can still make a ton of money if he pulls off the miracle. But more realistically, for this week, this weekend, we're going with Derrick Henry to record 100 rushing yards and score a touchdown. You can get that odds boosted today, plus 260 on Derrick Henry going for 100 and scoring the TD. Jump in on it. Get it while it's hot over at DraftKingsSportsBook.com. And if you haven't heard yet, if you sign up for a new account this weekend, you will get up to $100 of insured bets at DraftKings Sportsbook when you sign up with code DNVR. So be sure to jump on that and get some essentially free bets to take while you're making a few bets on whatever you want. Over there, download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use that DNVR code to get this can't-miss offer of $100 of insured bets on Sunday. Again, code DNVR for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Risk-free coverage, paid out in site credits, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. All right. Jumping on in, obviously... Evan Rowell, Nathan Rudolph, and the return of AJ Hayfley live from Canada right now in his in his Canadian hat. So you're not Rudo. (laughs) 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 We'll see. It all grows back right eventually. Um, The main news of today is classic NHL that there is no news in. They announced the so far. announcement of an announcement, as they love to do today, and then their announcement was basically, there is nothing new. We're still shooting for January. We have no plan. Great. Good job, guys. Very glad that that this is uh, this is the big news of the day. I don't know. I mean, it... Is it possible? Is it possible to not have a plan yet and still make it for the January first date that they're shooting for? Uh, I mean, NBA is turning around. 
NBA is turning around pretty quick, but they also don't really have to worry about an entire Canadian division like the NHL is going to have to. So it's a little bit different. It is. It's going to be tight, though. Yeah, I mean, they've got to get, realistically, um, the teams that did not participate in the return to play have said they want a couple of extra weeks of training camp. If they're shooting for a January 1st return, you're going to need at least the, the two weeks of training camp that they had like they when they got back to play for a regular team. So you're in the middle of December already. And then you get back to... You you give a couple of extra weeks to those to to the teams that didn't participate. Now you're at the beginning of December. It's a, it's November twelfth. Yeah. If that's the plan, then those those dudes need to know. Uh, and then there has to be a plan for what to do in Canada because you have a fourteen day quarantine restriction uh, right. upon crossing the border. And I mean, you have guys, players that are going to be coming back over from Europe, a number of especially prospects playing in leagues across Europe that would have to get back into their countries of of their teams and get all of that sorted out, too. So it's not if we don't hear updates next week, it just doesn't seem feasible. It really it really doesn't. Um, They would just have to mash it all together too too quickly. So, so I'm I, I think we're still I, I still think mid January to February first is the most realistic timeline, uh, especially especially with the the news of a potential vaccine. Yeah, um, I think that the NHL would be really wise to hold off on playing games in front of empty empty arenas if they can get any kind of a vaccine and get. Start start getting people back in. I know that's crazy to think about now with uh, the way that everything is shutting back down. But if a vaccine comes out and it's effective, you know, and it's not like flu shot effective, where it's like this works on twenty percent of people, you know, if it's if yeah. it's like actually effective, uh, I I feel like I feel like we could we could probably get back into arenas with fans and everybody else uh, into, into February. I hope so, but I will have to wait and see on that one. Uh, the only other major news of the day. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right, chat, go ahead, <laughs> get it all out, get it all out. It'll grow back. It's fine. Bobby Hill one. <laughs> yeah. the, Bob, the Bobby Hill cosplay was great. <laughs> Uh, the only other major news of the day is the NHL and Adidas hockey continuing to like do the smallest Jersey leaks in the history of mankind by like releasing the jerseys like little bit by little bit here as I'll, I'll share my screen and you can see the Pacific division. You, you get the NHL crest and a little bit of the colors. So that's something. I guess I, I this is the worst jersey rollout I think I think any league has ever done. They they've teased it in multiple fashions. You have leaks all over the place. Yeah, they they've sent out multiple teasers that haven't been good. Uh, that like animated teaser the other day was atrocious. It was it was so stupid. 
Where, and, well, they like didn't even do unique ones. They just put like every team's colors on the same yeah animation. It was <laughs> it was impossibly stupid. It was not exciting, and it was just like okay. And now and now these come out, and it's like neat. Yeah. Are you guys gonna do like a division a day? This is that's what it seems like. Yeah. It's just it's none of this has built any any level of hype for me personally. I'm I'm not like a big jersey guy to begin with, but I just like even, even so like I this doesn't get me excited. What's left of the reveal for these jerseys? Like the Sharks logo is going to be the Sharks logo. I, the Vancouver logo, there's only a couple things it could be. Vegas, we already know, has been fully revealed. Edmonton's logo is going to be the Edmonton logo. The only ones that are at all interesting to me are the Arizona ones with the purple there. The rest of these are like, yep, it's just going to be another jersey. Yeah, each, I mean, each of the accounts teased a little bit more of each jersey to show a little bit more, but yeah, I. But the LA one looks like it'll probably be the coolest one. I mean, I like those old school jerseys a little bit. So, yeah, the um, Lakers colors. Yeah, um, the, the Coyotes leaked one that ha- it looked interesting because it looked different. Um, it also had like a lizard on the shoulder, which I'm assuming that's just an Arizona thing. Because trying to remember back like when that was ever a Coyotes thing. Um, but yeah, it's. I, I mean. I guess maybe tomorrow's a central division. We'll find out. I guess we'll we'll find out what the NHL crest looks like on the Avs jerseys, which will not reveal anything. Basically, right. I imagine. I I, I think uh, they just need to go ahead and do this for Jesse's sanity, <laughs> because every time that they they like Nate, uh, you know, McKinnon tweets out the the gloves, and then Miko tweets out like it's part of the pants. And and now like they have all these things, uh, all these little teasers that are coming out. And every time Jesse has like these like full blown jersey predictions, and they change a little bit with with every reveal. And I think for that dude's sanity, they just they just need to do it. They just need to they just need to give us the jersey <laughs> before people just break. I like it. Yeah, he's, well, because there are people outside out there of the Pepsi like Center right now. <laughs> Purple I mean, Arena. He, remember, he went as soon as they as soon as they announced the name change. He went down there and was like, "The Pepsi Center logos are gone. Look at this. It's now Ball Arena. It looks exactly the same, but Ball Arena. <laughs> and now, like Pepsi Mountain is gone. Yeah, they tore down all the stuff that was like Pepsi themed outside. They tore down the Agro Crag. I miss I'm I'm I liked the rocks. I thought those were cool. The actual yeah. rocks on the ground that they that were different colors that they had in the logo. I thought that was neat. Yep. That, there isn't really like one area. to do for ball arena. <laughs> <laughs> Just make a giant ball instead of rocks. It'll be fun. Um anyway, the main topic of today's show, while you might think it's my hair. <laughs> We're actually talking about good decisions on today's show. That being the best trades in Avs history. Number one, why is it Patrick Watt trade? I mean, it's Patrick Watt, man. Yep. 
Is there any? Is there an argument for a different trade? Let me put it that way. I doubt it. Not yeah. yet. Yes. Yeah. It wasn't even just the Patrick Waugh thing. Is that they just threw in Mike Keene too, and Mike Keene played a big role in that team winning a Stanley Cup as well. So yeah, scored the uh, game-winning overtime goal in Game One against Detroit. Yeah, it's it's the Patrick Waugh trade. You just acquire a franchise goalie for ten years and get Stanley Cup. It's it's got to be that one. I mean, you acquire a Hall of Fame player. In his prime. And look what they gave up. Andre Kovalenko, Martin Rusinski, and Jocelyn Tebow. And, like, Jocelyn Tebow was, like, the truth at the time. Yeah, supposed to be the next hot thing in goal. He was considered, like, the top prospect, uh, top goaltending prospect around the league at the time. Like, one one of, like, the next ones in line, right? And... The abs, the abs turn around and they take they take a cup contending team that is brimming with talent and it's backstopped by Jocelyn Tebow and Stefan Fisse and turns it into Patrick Waugh. without without touching the core without touching any of those any of their uh, their good young players you know Forsberg was in his second year Deadmarsh was still young uh, you know obviously Foot and Sackick and all those I mean. They didn't touch any of those guys. Yep. And they got Patrick Waugh. They traded three not Hall of Famers to add another Hall of Famer to a Hall of Fame-laden team, basically. Yeah. They traded. I mean, this was the ultimate, like, we're going to give you some good players, and then you get they got the best player back. And then they also got a, a decent player thrown in as well. So, um, man, I can't imagine, like, could you – Imagine being Jocelyn Tebow, you're hyped up, and you have to go to Montreal and replace Patrick Waugh. It just must have been crazy for him back then, because that's not easy, especially yeah. being a French-Canadian goalie. I mean, look at how hard it was to replace Patrick Waugh in Colorado. Yeah. You know, and then do it, you know, imagine what that was like in Montreal, where he had created his Hall of Fame resume, which he would only add to, and it being Montreal, you know, you know, with you know, it's just a different world there, uh, and and then having to watch him play the rest of his career, where it was like that guy's that it's it wasn't like he was washed up. I mean, you know, it wasn't it wasn't like Hashik in Detroit, where it was at like the very end of the line. You know where he was still good, but it was it was a short lived experience. He was, a, I mean, Wall was as, a as many people, for another six, seven, eight years. Yeah, right. As many people look at Patrick Wall as an Av as they do him as a as a Canadian. And and you brought up a good point on the Canadian side and the Av side. How many goalies have they gone through who they called the next one? And. You know, Canadians ultimately ended up almost finding it in Carey Price, even though the team around them hasn't gotten the job done. But I, f- I feel like they've gotten it out of Carey Price, and sure. hey, they had an they got an MVP season out of Jose Theodore. Yeah, so. but then they traded him, and he wasn't very good. It turned out. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, where did they trade him to? Yeah, I know Colorado trying to, to repeat the process there didn't work out for them <laughs> either. But well, I, I mean, I feel like if you look at Pierre, we, we talk about the moves Sackick makes. 
look at the run Pierre Lacroix was on at the beginning of that 95-96 season with those trades. It was just insane. The moves he made from October to December to just set that team up for a championship. Yeah, well, you consider uh, the other one that we don't really talk about a lot, um, but the, the, the Claude Lemieux deal. Yeah, I do want to get into that. We do have to take our first period break, though, and acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. You can get eight different types of beer on a tap down at the DNVR bar or always use the Breck Beer Locator online to find their Breck Beer near you. And more importantly, we're running a little competition here at DNVR now. All right, I shaved my head, so that means you have to use the the AVS code when you sign up for an annual subscription over at thednvr.com. We're trying to get a little win here for the AVS in the middle of their offseason. We're trying to take down the Broncos' menace. The Broncos always seem to win these competitions over at DNVR, but for my shaved head, will you, will you do it for me? Please sign up for an annual subscription. With code AVS over at DNVR. When you sign up, it's a great time to do it because you get a free shirt and a free DNVR mask. That's basically half the price of the subscription right there. So you're getting good deals. Go on over there, sign up. It's always a great time to sign up for DNVR, but now, especially if you want to renew your sub, get on over and do it. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Trevor does say the Lindros Forsberg trade first, which I would rank first, except for that's technically a Nordiques trade. So yeah, not an Avs trade. We're doing Avs trades today. All right. Moving on to the Claude Lemieux trade. Obviously helps the Avs win a cup in his first year. But this this spawn of this trade is what makes it extremely interesting because ultimately the Claude Lemieux trade did a lot for the Evs. Yeah. Well, uh, it was, you know, you know, Claude Lemieux was holding out from New Jersey because he had just won the con Smythe. Yep. The year before. And uh, he, you know, he was like, y'all going to have to pay me. Yep. And they didn't they they were playing hardball with the guy that just led them you know to a Stanley Cup like um I don't get it now. <laughs> just a weird decision and they ended up um in a three-way deal. Uh the Avs got him just for Wendell Clark. And obviously it worked out again quite well for the Avs. Yeah, I mean, he, we talk about, you know, he was kind of an addition to that lineup that we talk about the Avs kind of needing, um, where, you know, it was, it was a a big time playoff performer, uh, a guy that brought skill, but also brought an edge, you know, a certain level of physicality, a certain nastiness to the, to his game. And, you know, you think you think if you're looking for a, a recent abs equivalent, it would kind of be the Kadri deal. Yeah, and, I, really, I really like that comparison. Um, accomplish a lot of the same, uh, accomplish a lot of the same goals. Yep. And you know the Lemieux deal, and and like it wasn't, it's not like Wendell Clark is bad or anything. Uh, it's just that that 
you know, at that point in his career, he was, he was just a, he was, he was okay. Like he was solid, but that was back when penalty minutes were valued as an actual, like, we need a guy that does this. Yep. I mean, yeah, this, this trade also created my favorite line in the AFs in the history of the Avs with Kaminsky, Forsberg, Lemieux just could so do like skilled, a man. little bit of everything. I mean, just it's archetype wise. It's basically the perfect line. Yeah. But, I mean, you got Lemieux there to do the dirty work Forsberg there to do everything. And then, I mean, I think AJ's in the same boat as me. Kaminsky is my favorite Avs player of all time. He was the reason why I played like playing the off wing and yeah, I loved watching that line play. And I mean, Lemieux came here. He helped him win championships, and he helped kick off a, a quite the rivalry too. So, it's yeah. good times. Well, <laughs> it's not only that for Lemieux, as uh, JT has mentioned here. When they shipped out Lemieux after the fact, they got Brian Rolston and a first round pick for Lemieux and a couple of picks. And Brian mm-hmm. Rolston in that first ended up being the two major pieces in them acquiring Ray Bork. Yeah. So them, yeah. not only did they get Lemieux to be a nice piece for them and help them win a cup, they then got value moving him out and, and a roundabout way used him to get Ray Bork, which kind of brings me to my next major topic here of a better trade. Ray Bork or Rob Blake? I would say Ray Bork because with the Rob Blake trade, they at least they gave up. I would say a little bit more value with Adam Deadmarsh. Well, um, and Aaron Miller, both of yeah. those guys were good players. Yeah. So the Ray Bork trade, you know, they gave up decent players, but it wasn't anything like Adam Deadmarsh. Who, when that trade happened. I mean, Deadmarsh was Forsberg's best friend. He was, I think Forsberg was pretty pissed off about the whole thing. So it was a risky trade, but obviously it still worked out. But in terms of value, I think the Bork trade was a little bit better. I mean, At the you, time. Do get, you do get Blake for, what, five years? And you had mm-hmm. Bork for two, or a year and a half, basically. And the other side of this is Adam Deadmarsh's career they didn't know it at the time, but in hindsight, basically cratered because of the concussion issues after he yeah. left Colorado. He was on an awesome line there before everything ended. It's it's really unfortunate because that Dead Marsh, I think it was Dead Marsh, Jason Allison, and Zygmunt Palfy that was just tearing things up for the um, the Kings before everything happened there. So it, it really was really unfortunate in two thousand one. It's it's tough. JT says the Avs don't win the cup if they didn't get behind the whole win for Ray thing. But do they win the cup without Rob Blake too? I think the answer to that is there's a good chance that it's it's they also lose without Blake. So yeah, <laughs> I mean, do you remember yeah. that series? Yeah, but we went back and watched it. Man, Rob Blake was a monster. Was yeah, exceptional in that series. Yep. Yeah, he scored the. Opening goal in Game Seven, didn't he? I want to say, but Game Seven of of the King series. That's oh. what I'm thinking back to. You got to be but, specific with your Game Seven. I know there's too many Game Sevens, but 
the Rob Blake trade especially obviously became valuable because they lost Forsberg, so they kind of had to just depend on these three horses on the back end. Yep. So that's that's where I struggle. If we have Wah at one, give me your rankings for Lemieux, Bork, Blake, or if you have someone else in your top three. Uh, I was going to mention it, but I, I mentioned the start of 96, Santa's Ozolinch trade. I think it was low-key awesome because it was the yeah. ultimate, you know, we have a lot of talent up front. We need somebody on the on defense that's going to kind of round out this team a little bit more. So Yeah, because if you look at that, if you go back and look at that defense, it was a lot of stay-at-home guys. Mm-hmm. You know, Kusarov and Foot and Lafave, Lecision, all those guys, like they – they needed they needed an offensive spark, and Sanders Ozilins was. Boy, was he ever that! I mean, they did give up Owen Nolan. If you're talking about value, well, it was the ultimate yeah, win-win it, trade for both teams. Yeah, but it was it was easier. What were the what were the dates of the uh, Ozilins and Lemieux deals? Ozilins uh, was end of October. Yeah, Ozilins was October twenty sixth, ninety five. Lemieux was like October third. He was literally like two days before the season started. Okay, so they could they could make the Owen Nolan deal because they got Lemieux because Lemieux brought a lot of the same stuff. Those are both power forwards. Those were both nasty guys, you know that that had a lot of offensive skill. Uh, and you know with with Nolan, I mean he was coming off of a thirty goal season, so. It wasn't like that wasn't value as you're as you're mentioning. Like it wasn't like this is a scrub here. But that I mean that's they they were able to make the the Nolan for for Ozilinch swap easily because the the Lemieux deal put them in that position. Yeah. And they were just stacked up front that year. Yeah. And it's crazy to think they had Matt Sundin like two years before that too. Yeah, I. So, I mean, it's so hard to rank these trades because they're all. Yeah. It is. So it bad. is. I mean, Owen uh-huh. Owen Nolan had a great career. Like, like that guy. He scored. He scored thirty goals. He had a forty-four goal season. Had uh, point per game Sharks. seasons. Yeah. He was. He and he had a really. He he had a perfectly good career. That yep. dude. That dude would have been just fine staying in Colorado. Like. You could have, you could have easily. They they could have easily justified keeping him, uh, keeping him, and not, uh, not rolling with a guy like Kamensky. Yeah, you know they would have they would have been the ultimate bully team at that point with Lemieux and Nolan, and Forsberg and Foot. Like, yeah, that'd be a disgusting top six to play against. <laughs> as so, far as the second best, I don't. I, I, just I would, say, I would say Blake and then Bork and then Lemieux. Yeah, I was going to say Bork and then Blake Lemieux. But just because I feel like they didn't give up too much in that Bork trade. I mean, at the time they did, but it was like how it ended up. Like yeah. The best, the best players were what? Brian Ralston and Sammy Paulson? Yeah. And they also got 700-year-old Dave Andrichuk in the trade too. Yeah. Yeah, that I mean, 
<laughs> they did acquire that technically, <laughs> but not a ton of value there, though. Uh, I would have Blake at two, uh, Bork at three, and then probably Lemieux at four. Um, but I One. think there, there are a couple other dark horse trades, but. You know, they also got Reinprecht in that deal. But you remember, like the the real like prize that they gave up was supposed to be Jared Allen <laughs> in that in that Blake deal. Yeah, I mean, looking back at these trades, there's so many like that where it's like, hmm, the big piece turns out yeah. wasn't the big piece at all. Well, I mean, like Denmark, Denmark and Miller were obviously, hey, we want to stay competitive. These are both good NHL players. Yeah, but they also got a first round pick, and they got Jared Allen, who was arguably like their top prospect at the time. And the guy, the guy was coming off of uh, a couple of years where he absolutely dominated the WHL, like dominated the WHL. Yep. And he was viewed as a high end, like a high end prospect when it happened. And, you know, Ah. there's an interesting case to make here. Knowing what we know about dead Marsh's career, the best piece from that trade may have actually been the 2003 first they got from the abs, which they used to pick Brian Boyle or the pick was used on Brian Boyle from. I mean, it's get a good career. That's kind of my point though, is <laughs> everything the Kings got out of that deal was is good. And they gave up a hall of fame defenseman. Yeah. I mean, compare that, compare how they did to how Montreal did for Patrick. Waha. True, you know they did a lot better. They got they some did NHLers. Than, <laughs> they, they did better than what Boston did for Bork. Yeah, that's that's true too. So you know, the the Kings actually, I think the Kings walk out of there, um, pretty not feeling awful about it. Yeah, like looking back on it, you don't. I think the Kings would probably feel about that Blake Abs deal like the Abs do about the O'Reilly trade. Where you're like, don't love it, but we got useful pieces out of it. They gave us a chance. We, you know, whatever. Like, they, 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 they made something out of it. It was not like a complete bust. Fair enough. We do need to take our second period break on that note and talk about our gaming sponsor, WGT Golf, which we are getting ready. It's Thursday, so we're not quite live yet, but we're having the DNVR Masters coming up this weekend where you can win yourself some free merch. You don't even have to win the tournament. Be sure to go to dnvrgolf.com to download the game and search for DNVR3. We're getting pretty close to having to open up DNVR4 clubhouse as well to jump in and play this weekend's tournament it should run from friday to sunday and once you finish your round just take a screenshot of your score and send it in either to info at vdnvr.com or reply to the pinned tweet on the main dnvr sports twitter account and you'll be entered to win that's it don't have to play well you just have to finish the round and send your screenshot to us so jump on in and have a little fun with us winners will get their choice of a dnvr t-shirt or a dnvr mask so why not try and win yourself some awesome free merch good luck that's all i got third period of the dnvr avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings sportsbook so we've talked about Five trades 
from the golden era of the Colorado Avalanche. Are we, let's start with this. Are we all in agreement that the Duchesne trade is the best trade under Joe Sackick so far? Yeah. All right. Where does that rank all time? Do you start to talk about it at five, six, seven, or are there even further trades in the, the LaCroix era that, that trump it? Uh, I would, depending on how it goes, right? Because there's right. still a lot to be determined. Right, like, of course. It's hard to judge a lot of Sackick trades that things are still playing out with. Like Byram, Byram, what, where he become, what he becomes, what Bowers becomes, you know, if Annan becomes their starter, like, it could easily, I think, I think it could end up being, if everything worked out pie in the sky, you know, Byron becomes an all-star, Annan becomes their number one, Bowers becomes a 3C on a cup-winning team. All of a sudden, it's, it's a total home run I mean, slam dunk to the it's, moon. Yeah, it's, it's the best. It's the best trade in franchise history. Yeah, it 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 it's in Avs history. I'll say because that the Lindros one is still almost never going to be topped. Yeah, it's going to be real, real, real tough. But <laughs> it has it has that 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 kind of potential to impact it even more than the Wad deal if they get if they get Annan as a legit number one starter out of it. Uh, yeah, I. I would agree just because of the the wide range of value you've gotten out of it. Yeah. We AJ, you and I talked about it the other week where it's like even if all they get is Sam Gerard out of it, it's a solid trade. So definitely there's only room for it to improve. And if if we're talking about comparing that trade to LaCroix's next best trades, I do think it's better. Because if you look at LaCroix's history outside of those big trades, it's a little bit more hit and miss. Whereas Especially in, the, in a cap area, where what Sackick was able to just accumulate in terms of just pure, like value and the amount that he was able to get is it's kind of crazy. So, yeah, when you get into Lacroix's next best deals, I mean, I think the Theo Fleury one is was pretty good. It didn't it, it didn't result in a cup, but Fleury was like comically successful in Colorado. Yeah, um, and and while it gave they gave up Robin Regeer, it was okay. Like they 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 were able to pay that price and it was okay. They got Dingman out of it too, if you care. But and a decent Not value really. trade for the Evs, but yeah, like it it and ended that was, up. That was a pretty clear rental, wasn't it? If I remember it, correctly, it was, and yeah. that's that's why it's only like somewhere on the list. You know, uh, Connor Waltruck was a great deal too. That we kind of overlook because his yep. career ended yep. prematurely. I really like uh, that. What inspired this episode, by the way, was shout out to whoever you were on Twitter who asked AJ and I about uh, the most underrated abs trades. Connor, Connor Walchuk. Yeah, and, up there. Yeah, AJ put Connor Walchuk. I put the, uh, the trade that ultimately netted the abs, the Tangay pick. Was that, um, was San Jose? I, can't remember off the top of my head. I'd have to check. Yeah, because I can I can never remember yep, that was the, the repeat trade. Okay. Yeah, because they made a couple of deals with San Jose where it was like they got Ozalinch, they sent Ozalinch back. Yeah. They got Sean Donovan, they sent Sean Donovan back. And it was like I have a hard time keeping track of all the guys that they, they got from San Jose and then sent back and 
what all the returns were for them because there were several of them. Yeah, the Tange one was was Ricci in a second for Sean Donovan and the first round pick that would become Tange. Nice. So a bet on the future that worked out pretty well for them there. That well, that was when he was stacking up first rounders because he loved Le Cavalier yep. and he was trying and to couldn't convince. get the deal done. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, and then he ended up. I mean, with the Tangay pick, if you look at that draft, like Le Cavalier is clearly the top player, but Tangay is the second best forward from that class. Yep. So didn't get the didn't get the best best guy, but. Got the second um, best. Yeah, and got three guys that contributed in, to the 01, uh, the 01 Cup team. Yep. With Tangay and Parker and uh, Martin Skula. Yeah, the, the Connor Walchuk trade is a good one and also made up for a not-so-good trade because he traded Bates Bataglia, or he traded Radham Verbata for Bates yeah. Bataglia, and Bataglia yeah. just, didn't, just didn't work out here. There are, uh, I mean, there are some bad ones, like some like the, the Tom Gilbert for Tommy Solo. The, uh, play play it slow on those. We need those for Free Skate Friday. So, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, one of the underrated ones I love that, unfortunately, health issues kind of came into play was, and I know you mentioned you disliked Scott Hannon. Yeah, <laughs> Fleischman for Scott Hannon. Like at, at the time, it looked like, oh, we found. Matt Duchesne, a winger that he actually has some chemistry with. And then, of course, the, the major health, health problems. Yeah, unfortunately. Well, and, then, and then the very next year, I think it was the next year, that's when they did Volsky from Muir. Yeah. And it again, it the looked again like they had found somebody. And yep. then it was like more health issues. And yep. neither guy ever was the same after that. Yeah. And one move I always loved, uh, it, it, Jamie McGinn. I, I thought that was a real solid trade where they just yeah because he was around for a few years he had some good years here um, not a huge trade but um, and then another one where it was another kind of win win trade where he gave up Keith Jones but they got Sean Podine who played a a solid role on that 0-1 Cup winning team a good he was a really good role player yeah it it gets hard to to rank those type of trades right where did the Avs win the trade. Yeah, probably. How much impact does that actually have on the team, especially in an era when you're talking about absolute banger trades like the Rob Blake trade, like the the Patrick Waugh trade? Hard to value. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, I think one of the a deal that we're going to come to view like that is probably the Taves deal. Yeah, because I mean, two second round picks. We're not going to know for a really long time. You know, we're going to know for another five or six years. Yeah. What those second rounders bring to the Islanders, whatever, if, if they even use them, you know, they given their cap crunch problems right now, they might have to use I those seconds. That to out. Yeah. Out. <laughs> but and, like and that's, Taves. that's a, that's a deal that the abs are very likely to come out feeling great about themselves. Uh, they're committed to it. Certainly giving Taze four years. So, yeah, but I mean that contract will end before we know what happens with those picks. Yeah, for sure. So and I think that's that's a there's a real good, really good chance that we look back on that deal and feel uh, very fondly. Yeah, it's it'll be interesting to see. Like as I kind of mentioned earlier. Jury is still very much out on a lot of of Joe Sackick trades. Burakovsky, 
has his extension now. Great start. Yeah. Can he repeat that for two more years? If yes, you're feeling super good about that. Yeah. Um, if he goes into the tank, you don't feel great about it. Uh, the Kadri trade, obviously you feel really good from the ab side about that. Uh, given Barry's struggles, especially in Toronto. And then you have yeah. some some in-between ones, too. You also have acquiring Derek Broussard at the uh, <laughs> at the deadline two years ago. So Honestly, you look at the deadline, and the deadline just hasn't been good for the yeah. Avs. Domestikov was really the only one where you're like... It, it was a deadline trade, but I don't think they had planned on it working out, but Gray's for Bigra seems to be a... <laughs> Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's that's another one where you're like, it's right now. It's a it's a massive victory because of expectations at the time. Mm -hmm. But that's again, like we'll we'll feel differently about that deal depending on how the next three years go. Yeah, where it's either going to be like. They got duped by a guy who had the <laughs> underlying numbers. Best plus minus you know? in the like, league for one year. <laughs> yeah, like it was like one year of iffy underlyings that they committed to, or there it's gonna be like this was a this was a big time this was just a big time win for them where they they mined a gem and then helped develop them. You know, looking through Joe Sackick particularly after Wall left, had some has some some gems in the rough here. He got Andrew Ghetto for Martinson. Yeah, I mean the Soderberg deal ended yeah, up being just pick up fine. A sixth they, for Soderberg. Colin Wilson for a fourth ended up being fine. Yeah. The the Grubauer deal right now for just a second round pick. Yep. That's your starting goaltender for a second round. He has a couple he has a couple of deals uh, it just in the last couple of years, especially Taves deal for draft picks, Burkowski for draft picks, Grubauer for draft picks. That's a top four defenseman, a top six, a, a top six winger, and a twenty goal scorer, and your starting goaltender. And all he gave up was draft picks, and no, no first rounders. Like that's, you know, we've we've talked about one the team's willingness to give those picks up. That's. It's iffy, right? But also the history of draft and development from that that area of the draft just isn't very good. And so they're like, okay, well, if we're not going to succeed with making these picks, get we're going to capitalize on the yeah. value yep. and let another team do it. But we're going to get NHL, we're going to get bona fide NHL talent for these non-first-round picks. And it's not like middle-of-the-road talent. A top-four defenseman, teams are dying to go out and get that. When you look at Winnipeg here, they are they are desperate for a guy that can play that that actually belongs in a top four, you know. And and then a, a Burakovsky. How many teams, if if they could, they could go back and do it again. How many teams would would beat Colorado's offer of a second and a third for Burakovsky? And then just a second rounder for Grubauer, straight up, like, yeah. I, I know, I know, like the world, the world doesn't. The world's not like falling over itself to to love Philip Grubauer right now, but that guy's a legit starting goaltender. He's a good goaltender for a second round pick. I, I, that's the same price they paid for Reto Para. Yep, <laughs> I think that that Just sums up both of those trades <laughs> very very well. 
<laughs> um, all of this, as we're we're pumping Joe Sackick's tires here a little bit to to lead to my newest conspiracy theory that I've been pumping since my my prospect pyramid video. All right, like the ancient aliens built the Egyptian pyramids. Is Joe Sackick an alien building the Colorado Avalanche? Sure. I don't know how to answer this question. <laughs> you just need to replace the aliens guy with your head now. Yeah. Joe Sackick. Go like this. <laughs> Joe Sackick is an alien. Yeah, you had to do that before you cut all the hair off, though, because he has crazy <laughs> hair. Yeah, that's true. I go go take a, a screen grab of my prospect pyramid's face where I'm like grabbing and pulling all my hair out. That's the one. Uh, <laughs> anyway, any any final thoughts on abs trades before we get out of here for the day, guys? Uh, the one I'll mention is at the time it was a very ballsy trade. Giving after you finished off with very low in the standings to give up your first rounder the next year to get a goalie and Simeon Varlamov. I thought it was a pretty ballsy trade at the time, but I would say it, I mean, in my opinion, it worked out. They picked second overall and then a week later traded their first round pick. (laughs) Big stones to do that. Uh And, and Varley is definitively the second best goalie in abs history. So it's not even close. Yeah. So uh, to that regard, it worked out pretty well. Um, All right. I guess we do have to tell y'all about Strava Craft Coffee. I was totally prepared for this. The (laughs) CBD-infused coffee that has really changed lives. And you can get that at the DNVR bar now as well with cold brew coffee to try it before you want to purchase or sign up for the subscription service online. Highly recommend you come on down and give it a try. And when you love it, you can go to StravaCraftCoffee.com and get up to 30% off for this week. Jump on that. Normally it's 20% off, but doing a little bit of a boost. Use that DNVR code. And, of course, when you do want more, you can always sign up for their subscription service where you get 20% off every single week. You can get it in two, three, four, six, or eight-week packages. It's a great deal. Awesome stuff known to help many different aches and pains. So give it a try today. On that note, we're getting out of here for the day. Thank you, everyone, for watching, listening, however you consume the podcast. We'll be back with some fun stuff tomorrow for Free Skate Friday, probably looking at some of the worst trades in Avs history, as well as some other fun stuff. So hope to see you all there, and we will talk to y'all then.